Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, November 7th, 2021. What an incredible time to be part of LCM and of the One Association Churches. Oh, no doubt about that. God is joining us together. He's building the very kingdom of God on earth, and he's building the very kingdom of God right here in our midst. This building of his kingdom and the way that he is uniting our churches are like the cities of refuge in the land of Israel with roads, signs, and even bridges that are needed to close the gap to make sure that you were able to run to those cities of refuge. Ooh. Elder Eric, Elder Baj, and Pastor Matt are at the Arising Church today. Amen. They're participating in what God is building among the One Association churches. And we're so excited about the word that God has given us for you today, LCM. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into scripture. Yes. So this morning, we're going to turn straight to the book of Nehemiah. When you get to the book of Nehemiah, we want you to land on Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, I don't know about you, but... We, we gained an hour last night, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it seemed fitting that since we were gaining so much time that we stayed up another three hours just because we were gaining an hour, right? But let me tell you, throughout the church and throughout our fellowship and not just this body, but in the other bodies around the One Association churches, this chapter has popped up potentially more times than any other chapter. We're going to rest in this chapter this morning. We're going to go through it, leave a bookmark in that chapter, because we're quickly going to be coming back to this as our primary passage. As you are turning there, we want to draw your attention to a slide that we have for you this morning. It's on the screen right now, and this is going to help us build up. Somebody say build up. Build up. It's going to help us build up our joined perspective today. We want to illuminate something that you may not have seen in the scripture. And we're going to start in Nehemiah 1, and you can either follow along in your Bible or on this amazing slide prepared by Pastor Wade, the homiletic blade. Nehemiah 1, verse 3. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, it was the wall of Jerusalem when it was fully built up. And as Bible scholars, you know that the book of Nehemiah is largely about building up the wall of Jerusalem. Yeah. Everybody say the wall. The, the wall. And Nehemiah 2 in verses 8 and 9, it says, And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's force, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall. And for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. See, Nehemiah's goal here is to build a singular wall. This is clearly seen in the heartfelt request to his king, which the king, in fact, granted him. That he would have everything that he needed to do to be able to rebuild the wall. Everybody say, the wall. The wall. Okay, so then we jump down to Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 13 of that same chapter, and we see a shift. There's a change, and so we need to look into this together and figure it out. Verse 13 says, By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls 
Whoa, it's plural there. The walls of Jerusalem. Why is it plural? Which had been broken down, and its gates which, gates which had been destroyed by fire. So before Nehemiah gets there, he had been picturing the wall of Jerusalem as a singular structure, yeah. as one structure. But when he went out at night to survey it, what happened? Well, he discovered that the wall had become a broken down mess of walls. What was immediately always intended to be a singular wall was in fact broken down when Nehemiah put his eyes on it. And so that's why he referred to it as the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down. Like Nehemiah, God is bringing about the revelation to this body of believers that our goal must never to be about building walls. Our goal is never about building walls, church. We're not about building individual accomplishments. That's true. We are not about here building singular callings. We are not about building structures erected around us in order to protect us from the purview of our brothers. Can somebody give us an amen? Amen. But rather, God has called us to build the wall. Somebody say the wall. The wall. It's the singular, the conjoined, the unified, the integrated, the connected, the interlocked, the indivisible, the inextricable, undivided goal of the structure that will serve as our work and our protection against the enemy in the coming days. Church, that leads us to the title of today's sermon. Walls to the Wall. Walls to, to the, the Wall. wall. Now, since you're already in Nehemiah 4 as our primary text this morning, let's begin reading in verse 1 as Pastor Wade, the homiletic blade, leads us through it. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1 says this. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Ooh. He ridiculed the Jews. I believe that the ESV says he jeered at the Jews. Jeered the Jews. <laughs> and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring, back the, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Come on now, these are the questions that the enemy is presenting to God's people. Trying to intimidate, trying to ridicule, trying to jeer at the Jews. But can you feel the affirmation of the Spirit this morning? Yes. That this is indeed the task that we have for, before us, is to rebuild the wall? Yeah. Come on now, that idea that we are building something together, and it's yeah. only together that it can be achieved. Yeah. See, he has set us on these, this important task to accomplish the calling that God has, that he is propelling us into. His work for us today is about rebuilding the wall. You've heard it said that actions speak louder than words, right? So we proclaim to you that while we are building together, our actions are indeed speaking a message to the enemies around us. Yeah. And they're threatened by it. In fact, they're greatly incensed by the actions of us building the wall together. 
Now, you might be hearing some piercing questions being thrown at us as we embark on this building project. We have another slide for you, and we want to look at some of these questions. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Do you hear the sinister nature of that? How we described it as like little minions that are just kind of cackling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the way it sounded in my head anyway. It's how it sounded in my head as well. Will they finish in a day? And can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? See, the questions that Sanballat are asking the Jews here and presenting to them, the truth is, as we know as your pastors, that these are questions that the men and women in this room are struggling with right now. Let us help you to make the connection here. What are those feeble Jews doing? That concept that you don't have what it takes to be able to accomplish what God is doing. I mean, it might sound like this. What do the Hewitts think that they are doing? Living together in community. Helping to set a fire for the heart of God through leading worship and teaching in small groups. And help. Anybody been blessed by the Hewitts when they have yes. recorded and listed the prophecies that are going on? Woo. I mean, they are right at the... What are they doing, those feeble little Hewitts? How could they think that they could accomplish something? Or, or something like that. <laughs> are you guys beginning to clench with these questions with us a little bit? What about the next one? Will they restore their wall? Oh my goodness. Even the enemy understands that we are restoring the wall. The singular wall. Even they can see the goal at which we are working toward. But the question might, might be posed to this congregation. Hey, will the Molochs, will the Phillips, will they really be able to restore connections between each other? Will they really be able to build up the work, to build up the protection that is needed for the coming days? Can you, can you hear the enemy just asking these kind of probing questions, and they're a little bit piercing, they're a little bit revealing, and yet they're rolling around in every one of our minds? Now, as we continue, they will do it. They will do it. Let's look at the next question. Will they offer sacrifices? What an odd question. The people of Israel already had an altar when this accusation was leveled. This carnal cackling is like asking, will the Ludvigsons really be able to continue to grow in the sacrificial offering of their lives in this community? Now make no mistake about it, this is at the heart of the attack of the enemy. The building of the unified, indivisible, singular wall that is the sacrifices, so the sacrifices continue to be made throughout the generations. The attack on the wall, the attack on our unity is to prevent you from getting closer to God and allowing your lives to rise up as offerings before him. Do you remember the prophecy from worship? That there is an aroma that is rising up to the father that is pleasing him and the enemy has already staged an attack to prevent it. When is a question not a question? Well, the question when it's trying to lead you into thinking something. The devil doesn't even have to tell you something. You just start asking a question. I wonder. I wonder, and it seems so innocent to you when you hear the question. This is how our media does it. We're just going to ask a question that is ridiculous, but we're actually accusing you even while it sounds like a question. This is what's going on in Nehemiah's day. This is what's going on in our day. It's going on right here in this place. The next question, number four. Will they finish in a day? 
Will the growth and the maturity that we see coming out of the households like the Rosales clan or the Forge or the Zakaris, will it be finished in a single day? Will they give up before they see the fruit that they know is on the horizon? Will they be able to finish what God has put before them? Can they endure? Can they remain faithful? The question is, are you going to be able to remain faithful? And that's what the enemy is trying to accuse you and lead you astray with. Come on now. Look at question number five. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Rob, Spencer... Can, can you guys really fight valiantly for your sons and for your daughters while maintaining the confidence and strength that come from being united with this community of believers? I think you absolutely can. In fact, we know that the answer is yes to all of these questions. But we've got to be honest for a little while. Yeah, these are questions that have definitely been launched at people in this body, the jeering and the ridiculing and these probing questions. If we continue in the habit of building walls, plural, then we know the answer to those questions as no. But because God is helping us to set our aim and focus on building the wall, the singular, the conjoined, the unified, integrated, connected, interlocked, indivisible, inextricable, undivided wall. The wall will serve as our work and our protection against the enemy in our coming days. We can and should have confidence to answer these questions with a resounding yes. Hallelujah. Come on, on, LCM. We, everybody say we. We will continue to cast off accusations of feebleness and work on the unified task at hand, which is building the wall. We, somebody say we, we, we will restore this wall, restoring the connections between our families and building together in a conjoined fashion. We say we, we, we will offer right sacrifices, drawing near to God together And these sacrifices will continue to be made throughout our generations. Will we finish in a day? No! No. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I'm not trying to trick you. You're like, yeah, no. I'm going to ask you a question again. Just listen to the question and answer. Will we finish in a day? No. No. Thank you. No, but we're going to work together each and every day, knowing that the outcome of our labor together has an absolutely sure, predictable, and trustworthy result in our midst. Yes. Will we be able to bring the dead stones back to life burned as they are? Yes. Yes. We will fight valiantly for our sons and for our daughters while maintaining our confidence and our strength Because we are fighting shoulder to shoulder with our closest brothers for the work of our God. Now, speaking about dead stones and jeers from the enemy, hold your place in Nehemiah and turn with us to Luke 19 and say the wall as you are turning there. The wall. Luke 19, starting in verse 37. 
When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had been, that had been seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, what does it sound like when these dead stones come back to life and begin to cry out? It sounds like a great multitude. It sounds like a whole crowd of disciples, the unified body of Messiah, raising their voices in joyful praise for the miraculous work that God has accomplished and will accomplish among us. Come on. Blessed is our king who is helping us to build mightily here in this place. May his shalom rest upon us, even as our enemies are trying to discourage us and shut us up. Yeah. It happened in Nehemiah's day. It's happening in Jesus' day as he is triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. He is walking in. See, this is the kind of church, and we are the kind of people who cannot be silenced. And our work Amen. cannot be stopped. That's you right. heard it in prophecy even during our worship time today. Yeah. Even dead stones will be raised to life. And they will cry out. They will call out in praise for the work that God is doing. Can I get a hallelujah in this house? Hallelujah! Listen to us, church. Our actions in building the wall together. They're sending a very bold message to the enemies of God. That is what is happening right now. And you can be sure that their opposition to the work, it's also going to increase. Luke chapter 3 is going to help us to gain the right kind of perspective as we enter these future battles together. Turn with us to Luke chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 4 and say, The wall, as you're turning there. The wall. This is Luke chapter 3 and starting in verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John the baptizer, quoting the Israeli prophet Isaiah, is repeating and reinforcing the way that God builds. Wow. What is that way? That way is in straight paths, in a level plane being built up simultaneously together, like one wall, making the rough edges smooth so that they can fit together and form something that can be of use to him. Let's listen to John's response to the outsiders who observed the method of building that God had established, but who met it with criticism instead of repentance and a desire to be shaped and to be molded by this. In verse 7, it says this. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. Don't miss that. He's talking to the people who are saying that they're coming out to be baptized by this person. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Yeah. And do not begin to say to yourselves... We have Abraham as our father. 
For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Pastor Wade, what in the world is going on here? Where is the compassion for these poor souls, okay? There's something wrong in the words of John the baptizer here, isn't there? Where's the meek and mild speech for those who openly criticize the supernatural work of the Lord? These were not found on John's lips, but rather a very poignant warning. Hey, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Stop resting on false securities and what you think to be right. Stop building your own walls around yourself. Your walls in order to insulate your insecurities from those who are supposed to be building together with you. We cannot build individual walls around ourselves to insulate ourselves from the ones who are put next to us to help us build. But let me tell you, when you begin to build in a unified structure, building a unified wall, then even the stones that were dead can be breathed into and raised back to life. And not just brought back to life, they can be positioned by the other stones as they were always intended to be. Come on, that is good news for us this morning. And we're going to grab hold of it. But let's continue in Luke 3 and uh, verse 9. Before we get to verse 9. Do you guys hear what your pastors are saying to you? That people's words might be that they're with you and we're coming out and we want to repent as well. But if the actions of their lives are building walls of insulation around them, then the only response to that is you need to repent. Stop building your walls. Turn your attention from your own little self and get to the bigger picture of what God is building and the methodology that he is building with. Come on, it is more than what people are saying to you. It's time and we are doing it here in this house where we wake up. It's not about what they said that they love the Lord. Yes, but they have completely insulated themselves in a little wall to keep everyone else out, including the Lord operating in their life. It's more than our words. See, because we're doing it here. We know what it feels like to actually be building the way that God is teaching us. I mean, we're taking steps to do it. We know the price that must be paid. And it's not worth it for us to only hear lip service to this same building. We have to see that they are actually standing next to us, building the wall with us. Come on now. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 9. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. (laughs) That's a really good question. You ever had a truth bomb dropped on you? The right response is then, what do I do? Those that, yeah, what do we do? Help us. If you are building walls of insecurity and insulating yourself, have you ever had the response of, hey, this is going to happen? And then instead of asking, what do I do? You choose to just ignore the situation. I can tell you that in the kingdom, when we are building the wall, those issues that you thought you could hide, you can't, you can't hide. Yep. We're going to have a response of what do we do? Yes. John answered to that question. The man who has two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. See, what should we do then? 
Do you think that John's answer is only about sharing tunics and food with someone else? Or is there a deeper meaning here? Of course there's a deeper meaning here. We're going to show and continue to walk in this of John's deeper revelation here. That those who had learned to build correctly also understood that in order for God's structure, in order for the wall to progress, it had to be built up together. The answer that John is giving is you have to turn away from your own view of things, your own walls that you're building and understand the larger context because each part of the structure had to support the other in order for God's building project to be accomplished. Yes, that's so good because if you're looking at yourself and you have an introspective uh, view of your own call, your own way of life, you're like, man, I got two tunics. I'm good. Right? I'm good for years. I, I got everything that I need except for John the baptizer said, hey, stop looking at yourself. The man who has two tunics, look around and see where the needs are. It's almost like we're building a wall together and we need to be able to look to our right and to our left with the people that we're conjoining the wall with in our section of the wall and see where the low spots are. Come on. To see where the areas need to be built up and to see where we can speak life into those low exposed areas. Hey, let's flip on back to Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to get back into it in verse 3 this morning. We're going to start talking about Tobiah the Ammonite for a second. Oh yeah. Verse 3 says, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, Pastor Wade, can you, can you do your little, uh... Cackle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Maybe this is more than just the surface insult that we've always read it as. Maybe like during our day, we could parallel it with the political opposition. Their accusations are often a projection of who they are themselves. Their accusations are often a projection of what they are trying to accomplish. That's a profound truth from Pastor Nick. And whenever you're faced with these jeers and these projections... It's really easy to be discouraged. But this morning, we have the encouraging words that you need to hear. In fact, they're from the great king of kings himself. This is Luke 13, verses 31 and 32. At that time, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else because Herod wants to kill you. It's not just us who are hearing the baseless, empty threats of the enemy around us. Jesus himself had the same experience as well. And he teaches us how to respond to them correctly. He teaches us the same attitude that we must display in verse 32. Come on, I have to tell you how much I love the attitude of Jesus Christ here. Yeah. I mean, we could think about Philippians 2 and be reminded that we're supposed to have the exact same attitude that he had. Look at verse 32. He replied, go tell that fox. I'll drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I am going to reach my goal. See, Tobiah the Ammonite tried to discourage the Jews. He was trying to pull them down by saying that their wall was so flimsy, even a fox could cause it to fall. But what do we know about Tobiah? He was the fox that was trying to get it to fall. Church, there has got to be a holy kind of savagery, a holy kind of confidence that rises up inside of each and every one of us. 
Let me get this straight. John the baptizer called them a brood of vipers. Jesus the Messiah called them foxes. They're animals. It's the same exact kind of attitude that rises up in each of these men against those, listen to me, opposed to the building of God's unified work. That is key this morning. Those who oppose the unified building of the wall, this is the kind of attitude that John and Jesus had to them. All righteous men rise up in this kind of way. We must learn to brazenly say, hey, I will drive out demons. Hey, I will heal people today and tomorrow. And I will continue to build with my brothers. Come on. Listen, it's not going to take a day, but we will reach our goal. Amen. Come on now, church. Isn't that a better attitude for you to have than you to be listening to the questions, listening to the jeering and going, oh, I don't know if I have enough strength. When those attitudes are coming at you, you rise up and say, "Uh uh-uh, you're part of a brood of vipers. No way. You are a fox that is trying to stop the work of God, and I will have none of it. I'm going to stand up and continue to do, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to make you pay for that kind of attitude towards me. I'll go ahead and cast out demons. I'll go ahead and heal people. You know when? I'll do it today. I'll do it tomorrow, and I'll keep doing it until the goal of faith is reached inside of me. Come on, LCM. That's the kind of attitude that we must have. Hallelujah. I can feel holy savagery rising in this room. Let me ask you, do you feel confidence rising in you this morning? Those accusations you don't have to listen to. Hey, I would punch a fox too. (laughs) So in light of the attitudes that we see in both John the baptizer and Jesus the Messiah... Look how Nehemiah and his brothers respond to the similar circumstances. This is uh, Nehemiah 4. All right. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Oh, wow. Give them as pl- over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Man, do you hear the holy savagery in their voices? Church, you got to understand what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about someone who insults you. Doesn't the Bible clearly say that that's a glory and a crown for us when someone is speaking against us personally? Isn't it a glory and a crown for us? See, it has to be that perspective. We're not talking about someone speaking against you. We're talking about someone speaking against the work of God that you put your hands to. You got to understand that this is something that we need to rise up in here. These are enemies that are trying to sabotage the building and the working of God. I mean, is it all right if we just pastor here for a second? Nolan Hewitt. You need to have this kind of attitude when things are going on in your life. You need to be able to rise up and go, no, 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 no. This is not going to stop the work of God. I'll take those insults, but I won't allow them in my life as it regards the work of God and what he is building. See, that's something that's got to rise up on the inside of us. Daniel Cho, 
to know that you got to have some kind of fire up inside of you that starts rising up and going, no, I see what my God is doing in my life, and I will let no thought, no enemy, no jeering cause me to step back. I'm going to step forward, and I'm going to step up into it because God has put within us a holy savagery. Man, we take all the insults that our enemies want to throw at us personally, but there's something different. you got to be like, like King David, even as a boy. Why was he upset with Goliath? Because Goliath was mocking his God. So he rose up and acted in a warrior fashion. See, that's what God is building in this room today. So why? Why in the world are we discouraged at their words of subterfuge? Why is that? Is it maybe because at times we have more compassion on this type of behavior than our God does? You see, our God does not have compassion on this type of behavior. Maybe we have a little bit of misplaced compassion on those who want to corrupt the work of God. Hey, stop putting weight on those words. Let, Let me help you. Stop assigning weight to the words of people that have these kind of jeers for you. Their words don't hold any weight in the sight of God, and so they should just fall off of you. They should literally just, boom, right out of there. No, I'm going to do what I've been doing yesterday. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it tomorrow, the second day, and I will finish my work. Let me help you with a response when maybe it's your family Or someone in the world who is maligning the work of God in your life and leveling their accusations. Walk up to them. No. (laughs) And then get back to the work. These accusations always sound like, oh, it's, it's about that church you're a part of. It's that cult you're in. It's that futile work that you're in. You're engaged in. And it's always as you are actually getting down to the work. It is actually whenever you were engaging with it and going after it and rising up like Ezra and Nehemiah that the world begins to see that you are building the wall and they want to stop it because they know what it means for them when we are unified in building the wall. See, as a church for two months, everybody say two months. Two months months ago, almost to the day we had these young pastors were teaching us winning the war message. It was the message about how to unify as a team that God was forming us and drawing us closer. He was closing the gaps and pushing us together. It's been two months. Has anybody in the last two months run into more opposition from family, from internal, from outside than ever before? Yeah, I have. I've had my own family say, yeah, can we just have Wade that's the son or that's the brother instead of the Wade that's the pastor? Can we just isolate that part of you? No! There's only one of me. That's it. But they're trying. They're trying. They are trying to cause you to lessen in your holy savagery. But we are not going to do that. We are not those kind of people. What kind of people ought we be? We're the kind of people who rise up with the same attitude as Jesus. With the same attitude as John the baptizer. And the same attitude as Nehemiah. Speaking of Nehemiah, let's pick it up in verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall. There's our answer to you. You wanted us to stop. We doubled down on our efforts. We rebuilt the wall till it reached, till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all of their heart. The ESV says there that they, uh, that they joined together. The wall was joined together to half of its height for the wow. people to, 
to have, for they had a mind to work, a singular heart. We want you to understand here, church, that you don't build in part. You don't build up your section of the wall to the complete height and be like, done. Peace. My part's done. I'm just waiting on all you slow pokes. That's not how you build a wall in God's kingdom. You don't build your section and then connect it with another section. I'm going to say that again because that was better than you just thought. You don't just build a section and then decide at some later date that you're going to join it to another section. The wall is joined together as it rises to half of its height. It is joined together as it's being built. We have a slide that should help us to do this and understand this principle. We, we want to help you see a visual so that you can see how the wall is formed. But first, this is the back of the shop right now. Yeah. Our wall, our brick wall, fell down a couple weeks ago. We had that huge windstorm, and it totally got destroyed. And so we've got a crew working on this wall. It's a wall made of brick, and honestly... This is how the world builds. That's true. You can see this. There are nice cut-out bricks, carefully formulated and put on there. They look very uniform. They look the same. You can build one whole side of the brick wall without even touching the other half of the brick wall, and it's okay. We'll just join it in the middle, and it'll work out, and it'll fall. This is how the world builds. Nicely packaged bricks. This is Babel brick building. It's like Korah's construction. It's like Nimrod's nuts and bolts trying to form them together. It's carnal craftsmanship. It's like Brandon building back better. Wow. Wow. Now, we are specifically talking about the areas of uniformity based on conformity. That kind of building, it's just bricks. Now, we have some examples that are going to help you identify what this brick building carnal craftsmanship uh, core's construction looks like. (laughs) You may have found yourself in this situation. Our disjoint marriage was just fine. It was uniform. Until we started marriage counseling and were forced... To act as a righteous team. Has anyone been there? You thought your marriage was good. Until someone actually. Helped you build your marriage. And then you realized. It was just uniformity. Based on conformity. Okay. Y'all are acting like we're not talking to you right now. (laughs) Don't move. And maybe they won't have. Before we got to, let me, let me help you out with some verbiage here. Before we got to LCM, our marriage was so strong. And then it seemed like things started falling apart when we got here. It's because you had built your little isolated wall with all of its bricks. Yes. There you go. And you didn't see the thing. Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me do a throwback for you then. If that was too close to home, if that was too soon for you. <laughs> Bombshell position. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let me throw one at you. I had such great uniformity with my frat brothers back in college. Oh, yeah. I mean, I fit together so well with them until I actually met men of God who actually cared and were willing to confront me about my holiness and my shalom with God. Oh, that's wow. brick building, Pastor. Brick building. Babel's bricks right there. Wow. What about this one? 
my meager hay and straw walk with the Lord was just so rewarding beforehand. Anybody ever said that? Like, oh, it, it was so good. No, you were like a giant in the land of midgets. Let's, let's face it. You were like an NFL linebacker playing little league football. Wow. You were the star in your pool because you had no chance at actually being challenged. Come on, guys. You know what we're talking about today. Come on. How about this one? I am such a superstar in my workplace. I'm so unified and uniform with everyone. There's no friction. I'm the best in the office. I'm the cream of the crop. And I don't need to be a leader in my home. I can forfeit my God-given right to be a priest and just let my wife take care of everything at the house while I'm being the big shot in my job. How about this one? My shallow friendships with the brothers seem so strong, seem so secure. Before we started this whole building campaign in the last two months that you guys have been doing, I mean, together here at LCM. And now my own individualism and hidden motives, they're being confronted. They're being exposed like low places in the wall. Listen here, little britches. It's time to put on your big boy pants. That's right. Come on, put your big boy pants on. Big boy pants on time. See, in the Babylon brick building, you can build your own section of the wall this way without even considering what the other parts are doing. You don't even need to know what your brothers are going, what's going on in their life because you're just building your own little brick walls. Well, you know, that, that reminds us of Genesis 11.3. We'll read it to you. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Listen to this next part. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Why do you think they used brick instead of stone? Why does the world build with bricks while the kingdom of God builds with stone? We need to contrast this material and method of building with the wall of uncut stones that you see in our next picture. Look at this wall for a moment. Yeah. I want you in your mind to divide it right there in half on the right side of the screen. Now, picture you building one side and someone else building the other side. That will never, ever, ever work. You will never be able to build up your side even to half its height and then say, oh, I'm going to retrospectively try to join this together so that we have a strong uncut yeah. stone wall. It never happens. And in this visual, it's so nice and clear to see the wall only gets built up when all of it is built up together. You can't join it after the fact. This is the kind of building that Nehemiah understood. Oh, come on. The singular, conjoined, unified, integrated, connected, interlocked, indivisible, inextricable, undivided goal of the wall that will serve as our work and our protection against the enemy in our coming days. Now, did you catch the visual that Pastor Nick is showing you? You cannot lay these smooth, uncut stones in sections like we saw the bricks. They have to be laid together, built up together. Imagine the, uh, the uncut stones. They have to be built up side to side, working. And at some point, if Pastor Wade is building his wall, I'm going to have to lay bricks on his wall and my wall so that they are interlocked. Do you, are you catching it? Yes. This is why we are going after 
the walls and having those removed from our life. We cannot build individually because it's too easy to knock down. And there's a greater likelihood that there's going to be breaches in the wall. And it's just not how the kingdom of God builds structures. So let us say it for you very simply. You cannot build the wall while you're building your walls. That's right. You have to have the selection between the two. In light of this truth, we're going to turn to Ephesians 4 together. And you should be getting a deeper revelation of what the Apostle Paul was building upon. Ephesians 4 and verse 14. Somebody say the wall as you are turning there. Ephesians 4.14 says this, Then we will no longer be infants, little bitty babies, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. See, building the wall with the bricks of Babel, uniformity that's based on conformity, causes us to remain in an infantile, immature state until the day that we die. You're getting older, but you're never maturing. See, we continue to be blown back and forth and tossed side to side by the accusations and the efforts of God's enemy to stop his work. How can you tell if you're you're still in an infantile state? Then every question that the enemy throws against you, you're rocked, you're moved, you, you are waning and getting tossed back and forth. And we never get to the point of actually completing the work of the Lord. Yeah, you see, building the wall, the wall of uncut stones, intertwining ourselves with each other, it not only causes us to be able to build up in our positions, it also gives us the maturity and the ability to stare at the cunning and the craftiness of other men in their scheming and to have the exact same attitude that John had, that Jesus had, that Nehemiah and the men of his day had. I will continue to build with my brothers. It's not going to take a day, but we will reach our goal. Amen. Amen. Let's pick up in Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, whether the word of God is speaking about a wall of uncut stones or it's speaking about a body connected by tendons and ligaments. The in- imagery is synonymous. The body of Christ is made up of uncut stones. And there's only one way that we can build this wall. That we can build up this body. And that's to do it together. Amen. Do you hear that, church? Yeah. Together. Each one doing his work. Come on now. Are you hearing us today, church? Yeah. We can... We may only be uh, really at the starting point. We're early on. We're only partially complete in the process of building the wall. I mean, it's just in the last few months that we're really getting a deeper understanding of what it's like to build together. But now is not the time to give the way to the distraction of the enemies in your life. I mean, the kind of building that Nehemiah understood and the kind of building that is required of the body of Christ is to build a singular, conjoined, Unified, integrated, connected, interlocked, indivisible, inextricable, undivided wall that will serve as both our work. Everybody say work. Work. And our protection against the enemy in the coming days. Let's go back to Ephesians 4 and catch verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live 
as the Gentiles do. You must no longer build as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. Church, we want you to say it with us. We insist on it. Ready? We We insist insist on on it. it. Did you think that we were only talking about us? No. Say it again with us. We We insist insist on on it. it. That's right. We insist on it in the Lord. We will put away the futility of Gentile thinking. We're going to put away the uniformity based on conformity. Those bricks of Babel are getting the hell out of here. We're going to put down the words of Sanballat and Tobiah. And we are going to build the wall together as we, the body of Christ, are also built up together. Come on, we're not going to put up with Sam Ballot's shenanigans. Are you guys still in Nehemiah 4? Yeah. Come on. Nehemiah 4 and verse 7. But when Sam Ballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to the Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed. You see what's happening here? Yeah. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. The ESV says, cause confusion, confusion in it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Notice that the list of enemies is increasing the further that we read. This is to be expected. We started with just two men, Sambal and Tobiah. But as they begin to close the gaps, three other groups are now standing with them. Uh-oh. Can, can you feel what that actually feels like here in this church? Have you been in, in experiencing an increase in sudden attacks like from the outside like we have? I mean, cars breaking down when you're trying to get to a, to a, a church conference. Uh, families coming against you. Water of the womb. Family members that are more hurt and more offended with you than ever before. We're sharing examples from our life. Yeah. We're telling you what has been going on inside of our lives. Discouragement about your ability as a parent, perhaps. The direction that you have with your own children. Even having to experience the consequences of your own poor decisions. Has anybody felt the increase like the enemies just keep multiplying? See, look up here and listen to us. These things are happening because we're closing the gaps between our sections on God's wall. It's happening because we're building rightly. And it's the enemy trying to distract you and dissuade you from continuing on and doing what you are doing. Gaps between us are being closed. We have never been more qualified to build before. Because our method of building is being formed into God's method. Here at LCM and across the churches of the One Association. And guess what? The enemy does not like it. Does not like it. The enemy does not like it. Now in verse 8 we can see that their enemies all plotted together. There is a con- they had a concerted effort to bring confusion to the people of God and their building project. But church, we're not all unaware of those schemes. So the confusion is definitely going to be brought and le- accusations leveled by the enemy. And the word of God is teaching us today so that we're not knocked off track by it. Amen. We're not surprised. See, last Sunday, the question was presented to us. What kind of people ought we to be? See, we are the people of God. Dedicated to building the wall, not with bricks of Babel, but with the uncut stones fitted firmly together, interlocked and placed as the Lord sees fit. Come on. We are the people of God, church. 
building with the same attitude that John the baptizer had, the same attitude that Jesus the Messiah had, the same attitude that Nehemiah the general contractor had. We are the people of God working diligently and seeing the gaps close between our families and between the churches and the one association. And the enemy does not, not like it. <laughs> what about verse 9 and their response to the enemy's attack? Let's take encouragement from this righteous stance that they took in verse 9. But we prayed to our God and, somebody say and, and, and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. See, this is the way that we're supposed to respond. We pray and we post a guard. It's a two-step process. And both steps are vitally needed in this process. It is a spiritual response and it is a physical follow-through. Amen. It's like a rendering of your heart and it's putting your hand to the work of rebuilding the, work of rebuilding the wall. Yeah. So I know that with the pastors and the elders in our weekly meetings that we have, it's been all about this kind of two-step process. Listen, we rend our hearts before each other. And we establish the works that must happen so that the wall can continue to progress. For, for clarity, we do not spend time rending someone else's heart in the room. We rend our hearts and work collectively on unifying around what God is saying and we build together. Now, with the increase of attacks coming at all of us as a body, through prayer, your elders and pastors have been directed by the Lord to post a guard by day and by night to meet these threats. We are posting a guard over the things that are coming into our hearts and lives. Things like entertainment. What we are doing in these moments of rest and comfort. How are we spending our time? What are we letting affect us from the world? Church... The enemy wants to stop the building and he will use any means necessary to get us to stop building together. We have to pray and post a guard by night. See, in Revelation 7, it is echoing this exact same thought. Revelation 7.15 says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. See, here is a picture of, of, of God's people before his throne who are in constant prayer and constantly serving him day and night. Can I just let you know that in the kingdom there are no off days? Yeah. There are no times when you can let your guard down and remove the posted guard that's standing there. It is an all day, every day. Why? Because our God is great and his work is even greater that he's accomplishing. Amen. See, it won't be finished in a day. Yeah. It won't be finished in a week. Which is why we must have the life-giving speech of each other ringing in our ears to help us that day and night we are building together. That's right, Pastor Wade. Because it's not just about not putting things in. It is about replacing that with life-giving prophetic speech that's flowing out of your lips for the benefit of your brothers around you. It's a two-step process, remember. Hey, let's go to verse 10 in Nehemiah chapter 4. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, whoa, the people in Judah said, so maybe we're talking about some of the absolutely crazy thoughts and feelings that can grab hold of us, right? Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, 
Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. Now, the people of God here have begun to echo the attacks of the enemy. We have been facing this here as a church where there has been echoing of those accusations. Now, it's one thing for outsiders to accuse us, to ridicule us, and attack. But what about if the attacks are coming from your own head? Yeah, did you hear the first phrase there? The strength of the laborers is giving out. That's what they're saying about themselves. See, they may have been feeling weak in the moment, but y'all want to hear the truth? You want to hear the reality? The reality is that their mighty king had given them exactly what they needed for the work, and they were making incredible progress. They were making incredible progress. Come on now, church. Don't you be discouraged. It's just attack an attack of the enemy for you to think that you don't have the strength, that you are too feeble to do this. You are making incredible progress as a church. You can feel it. God has attested to it through words even this day that what we are doing is rising before him like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. You will have incredible progress. Don't you let your own enemy, don't either outside or inside of your own heart, discourage you from the mighty work that God is causing us to do and do it together. We are not going to meditate on thoughts like, oh my goodness, but there's so much rubble. Really? There's so much rubble? But they had already built half of the wall at this point. It's just the enemy in their head saying, no, there's so much rubble. No, you're halfway done with the wall. There's exponentially less rubble than when you began. Come on. Others want to put an end to this work. Others have been wanting to put an end to it from the beginning. You've had an enemy that has wanted to steal, kill, and destroy you from the beginning. And church, you are still here. And you are still building. That's something to celebrate. And we're going to continue in this. See, church, the idea that you're worse off now than you were before is a constant tactic in our own hearts. The enemy can, can resonate with that. Yeah, see, you're, you're, you're not doing it. You're not making it. If you're like me, I've never been stronger in the Lord. Yeah. I, I've never known more. These men have never been more able. You have never been more able and capable than you are right now. So your feelings, they're lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. Pain's going to punch a fox. <laughs> punch that fox. Let's keep going in verse 13 and see what mighty men like Nehemiah and Ezra in their day, what their response to these kind of attacks from within are. Therefore, somebody say, therefore, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bow. See, church, we've been viewing this entire process as the righteous work for the body to accomplish. We've been talking about it as the building of the wall. But this building of the wall is not only our work, but it is our protection as well. As we continue to build up the wall together, our immediate goal is that the exposed places, the lowest points of our wall, the wall, get built up. Not some other day, not some other time. We're talking about the lowest places, exposed points, getting built up 
today, Amen. getting built up this morning, getting built up before we walk out of the doors of this church. Yeah. Come on, the only way that we can build up these lowest points is when we choose to expose them. We must take our brothers to our lowest points and show them the areas in our own wall so they can help us. See, the truth is, is we need the help of each other. Every family in here, whether you're a pastoral family, you're an elder family, or it's your first day coming and visiting with us, every family in this place needs every other family for us to be built up. See, we've got to post, be posted by the Lord by inviting our brothers to see, man, you know what? I'm not going to try to hide. I'm not going to try to throw a, a tarp over this low spot. I'm going to be like, man, this is a low spot right here. Can somebody help me? I need somebody to be posted here because this, this seems to be something. I need your help and to be able to overcome this. I need you to come and stand and be posted with your sword and with your spear and with your bows. I mean, I need your prophetic life-giving speech to come into me. I mean that as an individual. I need your life-giving prophetic speech to come into me just as much as you need it from us to you. See, we need the encouragement. We need the brotherhood because the brotherhood is our protection. It is both our work and our protection here at LCM. Look at verse 14 with us. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Nobody's left out of that, guys. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. There was one answer for the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people. Everybody got the same answer. It's one answer for the entire brotherhood. And it's one answer for us this morning. Peyton's going to walk us through the first one. Come on. The first one is do not fear. Church, we need to recognize the jeers and ridicule of the enemy. And we need to put behind us faithless speech, pride, and thoughts that sound just like the enemy. Just leave them behind. And... Then emulate the attitude, the holy savagery of John the baptizer, of Jesus the Messiah, and Nehemiah, and the people of God. Look at the second solution that is provided. Do not be afraid and remember. Somebody say remember. Remember. Man, if only we had a series that started somewhere at the end of April that could help us to mean and understand what this deep concept in the word could possibly be about. Remember. You got to remember what he's done. Yeah. I want to encourage you as one of your pastors. If you have let the remember series fall by the wayside inside of your life. If you are not weekly remembering and daily putting things before you about that first day that you stood in the presence of the Lord. That that slavery of what he brought you out from. Of those giants that are piled in the corner, dead because of his victory. And the giants that are still yet to be put down. If you haven't been remembering his leading in your life. Him giving you the co-op, the ability, the strength to make more power. If you have not been remembering that you were rebellious the whole time. But that you are God's people. If you haven't been actively doing that in your life. It's part of the answer for this day that we need. 
It's almost like God has given us in advance everything we can need for life and godliness. It's almost like that when you remember that, you remember that he is great and that he is awesome and he's with you. And you can do exactly what he's telling you to do. Not with the bricks of Babel, but with the uncut stones of the God that you are remembering, that you are meditating upon. Don't be afraid. Remember and fight. Come on. And fight. Holy savagery against the sabotage and the subterfuge of Satan. The first thing that we fight for. Look at the first thing here. Wow, NIV 2011. I'm going to read this from the 84. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers. Fight for your brothers. That's the first thing on the list. Because the work and the way of the Lord demands it. And guess what? The fight for our brothers, it serves both, it serves us both for our work and our protection, Pastor See, Wade. this is what we're talking about when we're going from walls to the wall of construction of what God is doing. Look, as we get ready to close, I want to tell you and share a scripture with you out of Philippians chapter 1. This scripture was given to us by Elder Charlie. He gave us this scripture yesterday in a prophetic, life-giving speech kind of moment. And we knew that it was exactly the goal at which we are aiming at this morning. Philippians 1 and verse 27 from the ESV, it says this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. One spirit. With one mind. Everybody say one mind. one mind. Striving side by side. Say side by side. For the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them. Why do they get so angry with you when you are prospering? Because it's a clear sign of their destruction. The excuse that nobody really lives the way that they do in the Bible until they see a group of people like us. And we say, no, we are. See, it's a sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that being from God. Church, we are standing firm in one spirit. We are striving side by side, and we're going to get better and better and better because we're going to build the wall. We're going to abandon all of the walls that we have built, and we're going to work on the wall. See, our lives and our wall being built together is a sign to others of their destruction, but to us of our very salvation. Church, we've got one more scripture, but before we read it, I want all of us to rise to our feet as one like we are building one wall. That's right. Come on. That's how God's wall rises. When all of us rise just like we rose to our feet in a moment together, that's how the wall of God is built. Our final scripture for the morning is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, and after we read it, we are going to have some practical application, and we are actually going to build up part of the wall together at the end of this sermon. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, rejected by the carnal way that the world builds, rejected by the Babel brick building business, but chosen by God and precious to him. When you build according to the way that God's standard and God's kingdom is built, 
It's precious to the Lord. Did you hear that this morning during first set of worship? Our worship together, unified, and what was being built here was precious to him. And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We had many moments today where we tried very hard to dig into the recesses of all of our minds and hearts so that we could bring up not just some of the things that are happening outside, some of the attacks from without, but also some of the attacks from within. Today, we want to offer spiritual sacrifices and continue to be acceptable to God. What we offered in first set of worship was a start, but it's not where we're going to finish this morning. Where we're going to finish is an encouragement and an action item. Right now, I want you to think back. Get together with your wives. Get together with your children. Talk to them about a part in the message that struck you, a low part in your section of the wall, an exposed area in the section that God has put you in charge of. Talk about it and then find a brother around you. Even find a jarhead covenant member and you expose that low area of your part of the wall to them and invite them to come with you and stand and station themselves and to help you build up as we build up the wall of God together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning, Lord God. We thank you for speaking to us so amazingly, Lord. We thank you for breathing life into us, Lord. And we thank you for helping us to be able to expose the low sections of your wall. Father, we're asking this morning, Lord God, that you would help us to build. Lord, not as the world builds, but that you would help us to build as one, as one man building up one wall of uncut stones that are joined and interconnected together. Lord, before we leave this morning, Lord God, I pray that everyone in this room is encouraged by the way that their brothers have been able to build them up, Lord. Build us up together in one wall, in one way, your kingdom way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.